Hello and welcome to Bootstrap, the podcast for software bootstrappers. If you are running a software company or looking to start one, then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Steve McLeod. On today's show, I have Robert Brandle from Website Tool Tester with me. Welcome, Robert. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Robert's a good friend of mine, and like me, he's running a bootstrapped business here in Barcelona. Robert, I've invited you onto the show today because you've hired several freelancers over the years, and at least from my perspective, you seem to have found some good people. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm, I'm generally quite happy with the people I work with. Yeah, sure. Not everybody was the right choice right from the beginning, so we had to replace some people, but yeah, generally. I'm quite happy. Well, it sounds like I'm talking to the right person then. I'll be hiring a freelancer for a specific role later this year, and I want to hear your tips for hiring freelancers. We'll get to that soon. So first, tell us about yourself and your business. What is Website Tool Tester? So uh, just quickly about myself, probably by my accent already, some people have noticed that I'm probably from Germany. I live in Barcelona, just like you, Steve, and I'm 39 years old. And uh, yeah, for the past 10 years almost, I've been running uh, the Tooltester Network, which is a collection of review websites. So for example, as you mentioned, Website Tooltester, which reviews website builders like Wix and Squarespace and also WordPress and so on. So basically, we want to help uh, beginners uh, go online. Then we also have Email Tooltester, where we uh, review MailChimp and these types of tools also from a beginner's perspective, and also chat tool tester, which is the same basically for live chat tools. And yeah, you can see it as a like a mini G2 crowd or Capterra or what the name of all of these is. It's also, yeah, basically we provide reviews and monetize these reviews via affiliate marketing. And yeah, generally, I think we our reviews are really high quality because they are expert reviews and not like on the other websites, crowdsourced reviews. So yeah, I think people generally quite like what we put out online. So you said it's like G2 or Captera. Does that mean the companies that you review approach you and ask you to be reviewed and have to pay money? Or this is something that you decide which products you'll review? Um, we decided ourselves, of course, a lot of companies come to us and ask if they could be reviewed. And then we, we look at their company and check, check if it's, uh, if it makes any sense. Like we, yeah, we do things like checking the search volume on Google, because if there's no real demand for the tool, then it's probably not the most interesting for our audience. But yeah, and then generally we don't charge a listing fee because I know other websites, they do that, but charging a listing fee for me would be a bit difficult because if they have already paid money, then they would also expect like a, a pretty decent rating and that's not something I can promise them. It would be terrible to pay a fee to somebody just to have them say your product's terrible. So I can understand why you <laughs> don't do that. 
I'm actually thinking of using G2 or Captera later this year or to look into how I could use it. But I have to say, I'm not feeling good about it so far. So uh, I have to seek out some good advice in that area. Yeah, from what I've heard, they are pretty expensive. But yeah, I, I don't have any real deep insights into them. And they're also based here in Barcelona, aren't they? Both of them. I think GetApp is based out of Barcelona. The others, I, I don't think they are from Barcelona. Okay. But they are all basically one company as far as I understand it. I think Gartner bought all of these review websites and yeah, huh. they all belong to them now. Have they tried to buy you? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but we are like we are a niche review website. So I, I, yeah, I, I kind of compared myself to those websites, but we are uh, like the mini, mini niche version of them. It's a real nice marketing position and being a niche where you're small enough not to come into the targets of big companies, but big enough to be able to make a decent living. And I think you're there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a pretty good place, I would say. And uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, we, we had uh, questions about uh, acquisitions, but yeah, nothing super serious so far. So you said you're from Germany, but living in Barcelona, Tell us briefly how that happened. Basically, uh, yeah, I work online and I, I couldn't stand the rain anymore. <laughs> That's the short story. And I've always uh, loved Barcelona. I, I think I went here for the first time when I was 19 or something like that. And I was just stunned and amazed by, by how beautiful the city is. And that's why I always try to come back here. And I, at first, in 2008, I think it was, I tried it by like the, the traditional way, applying for jobs. And uh, then I realized uh, the jobs that are available here are not that great and also not that well paid. And uh, yeah, eventually I figured out that it's much better to start my own business, uh, which uh, like a, a location independent style. And then I could live wherever I want, including Barcelona. That's something that I think a lot of expats or foreigners here realize is that Barcelona, if you want a job here, the pay's not great. But if you're running your own business and living here, it's really good. It's really and good. And it's actually you're benefiting from relatively reasonable uh, cost of living and also uh, hiring people locally. I think there are really high, highly qualified people around who don't charge absurd amounts of money. And yeah, I think it has a lot of benefits doing so, that model. So you could pay them maybe 10 or 20 or even more percentage above the market rate. So you're, you're a generous employer by local standards, but you're also getting these good people for much less than in, say, San Francisco or in Munich or London. Yeah, don't even start comparing it with San Francisco <laughs> and London. I mean, just comparing it with Germany, um, yeah, I guess what I pay would not be super exciting in Germany, but yeah, definitely interesting, uh, an inter interesting salary here. I was going to say that's a, a little secret about how Barcelona is for running a business, but I don't think it's a secret. Quite a lot of those uh, well-known digital nomad or those types of people end up settling down in Barcelona, right? Yeah, yeah, quite a lot of them. I mean, it's a, it's a really great base. Well, we shouldn't talk too much positive stuff about Barcelona. It might put the, the rents up even more if we encourage other people <laughs> to move here. 
Yeah, but maybe just one more thing, uh, because that's a really, really important part of, uh, of Barcelona, that they are, it's super international, as you know. So it's for me, it's no problem at all hiring uh, native English speakers or German speakers, French speakers. Everybody is here, so you can easily hire people. It's, that's one of the really great things uh, of Barcelona, because I... Like in Frankfurt, for example, it's also international, but I don't think it's it's quite as easy to get these types of people. Right, right. And the ones who are there are generally working for the banking or consulting industry and expect a certain type of workplace and pay yeah. and so on. Yeah. And there's also lots of jobs available in Germany. And yeah, here it's just, especially in the startup world, it's, it's very limited if you want to... Uh, a nice job in marketing, for example. I'm not sure if there are too many options, really. Yeah, I think it's getting a lot better over the years I've been here, but it's still not even close to a place like Germany. No. So to move the, the conversation onto a surprisingly different topic, let's talk about babies for a little while. My daughter arrived to this world a couple of months ago. It's been a bit of a, a shock getting used to that. And Robert, <laughs> your children are how old? Uh, my children, I have twin daughters. They are now 20 months old. So, 20 yeah. months already. And oh, yeah. your daughters and my daughter are all born here in Spanish, but to foreign parents. That's going to be an interesting childhood for them. Before your daughters were born, you told me over one of our regular beer, burger and business meetups about something called the baby premium. Do you recall telling me about that? Yeah, I think I've, I first read about it on, on Pat Flynn's uh, blog, Smart Passive Income. He was uh, always talking about uh, the baby effect and so on. And I think basically what he meant is that once you have babies, uh, or better even before, you, you better get them efficient. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be very hard to to keep business running at the same rate because you're gonna definitely gonna have a lot less time available in your day and uh, definitely also a lot less sleep so you concentration is gonna cost you cost you more of um, effort so yeah i think what you basically have to do is uh, yeah spend less time on youtube and uh, <laughs> i think i haven't logged in into facebook for quite some time so these are the things that i just cut out because I, I think before I had children, my work day was consisted a lot in, in doing like pointless stuff that, that didn't really, really lead to anything. And I think now it's much more efficient, the whole thing. So yeah, there, there's a definitely a, a positive effect uh, of the babies, but also you have less time. And I think overall, yeah, I'm not sure but I guess I would say that uh, you, your business is going to suffer uh, at least a little bit so, with the babies. So I, that's a good summary of the baby premium. I was dubious when you first told me. I could not imagine how having less time could make your business better. It just seemed to be absurd. And yet here I am two months in. Uh, and of course, the nine-month pregnancy period before that. And I have to say I'm completely on board with that concept now this guy you said pat flint smart passive income was that the where you first yep. heard about it it's pat flynn yeah was that a specific episode that i can put in the show notes or is it something he just talks about more than once 
I think he has a blog post. Um, yeah, we can definitely put the link in the show notes. Okay, I'll look um, that up after we finished uh, this this chat. Yeah, uh, I think in the beginning, especially, I mean, uh, the, the beginning of having a baby is is crazy. Like, uh, you don't you don't know if it's night or day. And I think are you telling yeah, me that changes after a while? Because I'm really hoping it, it does. does. <laughs> it actually does. Now, I, what I realized is that when I uh, finally was able to go to the office again, I was so happy. Like you, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of crying going on at home and it's noisy and uh, it's a bit, it's really crazy. So once I was in the office, it was really, uh, it was almost like uh, holidays for me and working felt like holidays. So I, I got a lot of motivation from that, actually. <laughs> Something I've noticed already is that until a few months ago, my day started slowly. I would get up maybe 8 or 8.30, I'd say 8 o'clock, have a coffee and breakfast slowly, see what's on Facebook, see what's on Twitter, what's on Reddit, what's on Hacker News, read the news in three different countries. And then maybe around 10 or 11, I'd start doing something. And now, like... When I wake up in the morning and I realize I've now got some time while the baby's asleep and the house is quiet, I work. I get support done for the day. I get uh, emails answered I need to answer. And often by 8.30, I've actually done the essential things that need to be done for the day. That's my uh, experience already of how the baby premium is kicking in for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I mean. Whenever you have a chance to work, then you, you just work and work. <laughs> Yeah, and it's such focused work that I'm doing. Yeah, but I also noticed that yeah, the, I had a lot of tasks in my day that that I could easily auto could have automated, but I, I never did that because uh, I, I had enough time, so there was no no uh, pressing need for me to do that. But for example, we we have a team meeting once a month, and I. I never scheduled it in advance and it was quite stupid when I think of it but because every uh, three or four weeks I thought, oh, yeah, we should have an, uh, another team meeting and I had to check is the, the meeting room uh, available and uh, put it in the calendar, invite everyone. So now I just have a recurring task. The, the meeting room is booked once a month and so I, I got that off my plate and uh, yeah, that's uh, due to the babies. <laughs> Okay, so now that the children are not taking up quite so much of your time, you're benefiting from being far more organized and scheduled. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah. I also used, uh, for example, Sapir quite a lot to to automate things like uh, mainly accounting stuff. Like uh, when I have a, a wage slip, I just drop it into a folder and then an email gets sent to the employee with the wage slip. So that's, uh, yeah all useful automations that save a lot of time. Has your interaction with your employees changed in any other way since the children came over along? Like, do you delegate more? Do you give them more autonomy? Have you noticed any changes like that? I, I would think so, yeah. I, I do think I, I give them more autonomy and delegated more tasks. It's also, um, the thing is, when you have a baby, it's also easier to do that because, oh, uh, boss had a baby so um yeah you can't really say no to that or 
uh-huh. they, they know. But I also feel better at, uh, to to give stuff away and knowing that they know that I have less time available in my day. So that makes it a bit easier somehow. You know, I've had to let some things go that in my business that I insisted on doing myself all the time. For example, okay, well, they go back a step. You kind of know a baby's coming, right? It doesn't get you by surprise. You get at least some months of warning. And during sure. that period, I was the only one who could make changes to our marketing website. So my team could code the changes and test them, but I would be the one who would be the, give the final go ahead and run the script that deployed the changes to our live site. And partly I told myself that's because it was too easy to make a mistake and, the, and I'm the only one who was careful enough to check everything and I couldn't trust that to anybody else. Then in three months, I three times deployed the wrong stuff and put half-finished articles live on our website or had broken links <laughs> on our website. And I had to tell myself that maybe I wasn't doing such a good job after all. And I knew that with the baby coming, it was going to be even harder for me to do it correctly all the time. So I just handed it over to somebody who actually does a better job than me. He has the uh, the permission, like the necessary password to deploy the changes to our website. And he's actually uh, conscientious about it. He follows um, a checklist. And I, I'm asking myself why I didn't do this ages ago. Why did I need to wait until a baby was coming? to actually realize that some tasks like this just did not need to go through me. Yeah, it's, it sounds quite absurd in hindsight, but while you were doing that, it, it made so much sense. But yeah. yeah I'm the boss, right? I need to, uh, and it's my business. Nobody cares about it quite the same way I do. I told myself I was wrong, but that's what I told myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the same for, I don't know, I have an assistant now doing a bank transfers for me and uh, my accountant uh, does all the, the bookings in my accounting system. So I, I delegate it much more and I really wonder why I haven't done that uh, way before. Uh, if you could go back in, in time, maybe the business would be even bigger and even better by now. Yeah, yeah. Probably uh, we should have gotten our babies way earlier. <laughs> 10 years ago when we were starting. <laughs> well, those crazy people who start a business as they're having babies. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that I wouldn't recommend really, but <laughs> only if you have to. I have another story about how I think I've benefited from the baby premium. It could just be coincidence. So I knew that for a couple of months, I wasn't going to be working much on the business. I was going to be on something close to paternity leave. Although when you own your own business, I think you can never 100% be on leave. So I just stopped doing everything except for support. That was the one thing I hadn't been able to successfully pass over to somebody else in time. I wish I had, but I didn't get my act together. However, I was not able to have my regularly scheduled support sessions. So I used Zapier to connect to help desk so that when a ticket arrives, I get a, an SMS on my phone. Sounds crazy, but we only get two or three help customer support tickets per day. So it seemed viable. And then when the ticket, when the SMS comes, I look at it and decide, can I actually answer this straight away or should this wait? Some days we get no support tickets. So that's the benefit. I can go a whole day without having to be online. Now, during that time, I've actually started answering support tickets much quicker on average because when that, that email, the SMS comes, if I can answer, I do. 
which means that most of our tickets are getting answered within minutes of them arriving. At the same time, we've had our two best ever months for new customers coming on board and giving us money. Now, I don't know if the two are connected or if it's just coincidence. Mm. Any ideas? What's your thoughts on that? It's quite funny to think that your support actually improves by getting a baby. It's very interesting, but it makes sense because you just have to be more efficient. So, Yeah, and most of our support tickets are from people trying our product who have pre-sale questions. Yeah, so they're the types of people who probably respond well to getting support quickly and are more likely to say, yeah, this is a company I want to give money to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend having children as a strategy to improve your support. This is something I could have been doing in (laughs) advance. Again, having that child come along gave me the kick in the pants I needed to actually improve the process. Yeah, I mean, it does have a lot of positive effects. Uh, One effect that is not quite as positive I, I thought of was that with my wife, we were, before we had kids, we were talking quite a lot about the business and how things were going because she also has her own business. So business was always a topic uh, in the evenings. But now this has really changed. Like now the big topic, as you can imagine, are children. Uh-huh. And that uh, It's a pity, I have to say, because that was always, yeah, discussing things with her gave me new ideas and it often helped me process what has happened during the day. So it's not that we don't talk about business at all, but it's just like maybe one third of what we we used to talk about business uh, is what we talk now. So. Okay, and I couldn't imagine that changing anytime soon with the amount of constant attention children need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I also have friends who recently became fathers and also with them. Before it was like 95% business talk and now uh, it shrank <laughs> down to maybe 70%, which is it's okay. It's good to not always talk about business, but uh-huh. it's just uh, an effect I noticed. Uh-huh. I'm noticing that even with people who have no interest in much in children whatsoever, I still can't help but mention lack of sleep or changing nappies or broken schedules or so on. Yeah. And, uh, most people are pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah. So Rashi, uh, we've talked about babies much longer than, than I was uh, expecting. Do we have time to continue about freelancers? Sure. Okay. So you've used quite a few freelancers over the years, both on, as I understand, on a like short-term basis and on an ongoing basis. Is that correct? Uh, most of my freelancers are ongoing, like uh, translators, for example, we try that. Well, it makes a lot of sense to keep the same translator if they translate well, so they get to know the topic and can yeah evolve together with you. We uh, use freelance programmers in SEO. We have some. Uh, it's an agency, um, not not one freelancer, but yeah, more like an agency. So yeah, there are different types of freelancers, and I I do have staff like. Um, uh, full-time employees five of them like not all of them are full-time two of them are part-time but yeah when when there is not enough work to fill an entire day then i, I guess it's or not enough ongoing work to to fill at least a uh, half a day then i think it's good to um, use a freelancer 
Uh, that answers the question I had, which is how do you decide between employee and freelancer? My team at the moment, I think we've got three freelancers working on a semi-permanent or semi-regular basis. I have to be careful not to call them permanent because that <laughs> has certain meaning under employment law. <laughs> and and I often, I'm not sure whether I should, whether it's an employee or a freelancer that I want. So apart from translators, what uh, I think you mentioned SEO too. What other roles do you find are best for freelancers as opposed to employees? Well, programming, for example. Although, well, generally I'm quite positive about hiring like as an employee because my feeling is that they are much more committed to the business than a freelancer. A freelancer can, yeah, they... They're usually, well, they are self-employed, so they, they also have their eyes open for other projects. So it's easy for them to, yeah, just move on to a, a different proje- project. And we had some trouble with programmers, especially. Um, it's uh, the, the very special, uh, specialized things very okay. often. Okay. Yeah. So the nature of your business is that you also don't really have uh, a need for a full-time permanent programmer. Is that... Yeah, uh, right now, um, not even. I don't think we would even have um, enough work for a part time. Maybe we would have, but yeah, right now it works quite well. We just hired a new uh, freelancer programmer uh, lady, and um, yeah, for now it seems like the best option for us. So, so your business is built on top of WordPress, right? Yes. And uh, I think there's a thriving market and freelance WordPress developers. Yeah, yeah, there are uh, lots of freelancers available. Our problem was um, that we used to work a lot with remote freelancers. And uh, it's just sometimes it helps so much when when your programmer is actually able to come to the office and then you sit together, look at one screen and, and discuss some things through, as opposed to being always online doing Skype calls and Sometimes the programmer would even be in a different time zone, which makes it even more difficult. And yeah, we, we had some issues with programmers. Like um, we hired on Upwork, for example, uh, our original programmer for, for our WordPress website. And we were everything was great while we were working on Upwork. But then uh, I think we moved it away because the fees are relatively high and then he suddenly was like not very reliable anymore and because i guess the the threat of a negative rating wasn't imminent anymore Uh. so uh, he was just uh, very flaky and uh, difficult to reach and it was quite annoying and yeah so uh, i'm really happy when there's someone close to because you can also build a much better relationship as well when you have someone who you can have a coffee with uh, from time to time in your office so uh, that makes a big difference in my eyes yeah remote has certainly a lot of advantages but i think people who haven't worked locally a lot underestimate just how much more productive it can be to have people working in the same room at least from time to time yeah 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 there's some great tools these days for helping remote work, but the, even that thing of going for lunch or, like you say, for a coffee and building some yeah, camaraderie the, just helps. The Building the relationship is, is really crucial and uh, it's, it's very hard uh, to do online. You're just online, but yeah. 
Yeah, um, I'm working with remote freelancers and I have to work really hard to make sure that we put quite a bit of time into regular voice chat and often just talking about inconsequential things. Well, they're consequential, but they're not about the business. Uh, just to try and build up that that camaraderie that you would normally have quite naturally if you shared an office and went for lunch together on a frequent basis. Yeah. Well, I wonder a bit how uh, these big companies do it. Like uh, I think Sapier are fully remote and mm. WordPress automatic the company behind uh, WordPress they're all fully remote and I mean generally when I look on Twitter or wherever it's uh, pretty much everyone says like oh it's the best and you should be fully remote and don't hire any employees and and so on I feel like I'm a bit the, at the other side personally I like having employees and and seeing people like face to face sitting next to me um, that just works for me it's not that uh, that they could never uh, work from their home office or even travel uh, and work that's not a problem at all but it shouldn't be the default mo mode yeah some of these companies that are famous for being remote only i think they lack some balance in their description of remote work they only talk about the positives and never about the negatives and yeah, everything's got good and bad Certainly, I mostly work from home, although not always, and I really appreciate not having to commute and having the office just how I like it, although the office is very quickly becoming a baby room. <laughs> But it sure is nice to be able to see people face-to-face. -face. So yeah, you, mentioned, sure. um, you mentioned Upwork, and I wanted to ask uh, if that's how you find freelancers or other avenues and platforms that you've been using that you would recommend. Yeah, there's in uh, Spain, there's an interesting platform called Domestica. There are, you can post jobs and uh, it's free and there's a lot of good applicants usually, at least for marketing positions. Uh, for We also tried to find a WordPress developer on there but that wasn't uh, quite as successful. Then... Yeah, for, for smaller tasks, I sometimes use Fiverr.com, but I, I probably wouldn't look for <laughs> programmers on there. <laughs> It's a bit uh, more, well, the quality is generally a bit lower. Yeah, um, the name says it all, I think. I'm trying to get a good WordPress developer for like five euros or five dollars. Yeah. Even though uh, most uh, geeks, as they call it, they are much more than five dollars these days. Uh, it's, it has changed quite a bit. And also recommendations are really good, uh, a good source to find high quality freelancers. So whenever you can, um, it's probably best if you follow recommendations from people you trust. So would you, would you actively ask people if they could recommend a freelancer or you're just keeping your ears open for someone who says, hey, if you're looking for someone, I recommend person X. Oh. I think your success rate will be much higher if you actually <laughs> ask for it, of course. Yeah. But, yeah. And you would ask just in person or on social media or reach out to people you know? Mostly in person, I would say. Whenever you meet new people or yeah, your existing ne network can also help a lot. So our, um, our latest uh, yeah, our WordPress developer, we just hired uh, she was uh, based on a recommendation which was pretty cool okay actually now you mentioned this i realized that this very podcast episode we're talking on 
is going to be edited for uh, audio quality afterwards by a freelancer that was recommended to me by somebody. So actually, I realize now that I'm doing exactly what you recommend. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the, the other uh, part of it is that with Upwork, the fees are really quite high and you can save some of these fees. Uh, they're high and they just keep going up, don't they? Like, yeah, yeah, up, up work. <laughs> yeah, raising that's what fee. the up is. Yeah. <laughs> Bees up I mean, work. It, it does have uh, benefits, of course. The, the platform is really well done, I find. And, and then also, as I described before, you have the, the uh, quote-unquote threat of giving a bad rating. So yeah. they will always try to do their best work. But I, yeah, sometimes I just wonder if it's worth the higher price you're paying for that then there's even when you pay uh via paypal they charge you a payment fee and all this kind of crap um i'm not sure everybody's <laughs> out for a bit of your money yeah i have that. one more question for you before we wrap it up and that's how you go about maintaining a good working relationship with your freelancers when they are remote so you do have some remote if i understand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we do so what is it you do when you can't go out for coffee or talk with them over lunch? Well, most of them from time to time. That's also a good uh, effect of Barcelona, that, that people often come to Barcelona just for vacation or whatever, and then, yeah, try to, um, to meet them. And, yeah, the other thing is that you just have to pay a decent, uh, decent uh, hourly rate. So... When there's like a negotiation or they, they tell me, usually I, I ask them how much do you usually charge? And then from time to time, they give me a range like between 25 and 30 euros. And then I, I usually go for the higher rate just to, to buy some goodwill with them and uh, also not to come across as a, as a stingy company. So I think these are little things, of course, that, that help and, and just, yeah treat them the way you would be would would want to be treated i guess that's okay. always a golden rule uh, when working golden rule. exactly <laughs> do unto <laughs> others as you would have them do unto you so i'm yeah. hearing like take advantage of opportunities to meet in person from time to time pay them well and treat them well yeah exactly yeah. Uh, <laughs> i don't think you can ask for much more than that as a freelancer <laughs> And of course, when there's a, a positive result of their work, then uh, it's very important to show them that they have contributed to something great. I think I should learn from that. I think I need to do a better job of telling my freelancers what specific thing they've helped me achieve. Yeah, in the end, they, they also want to feel good about their work. And it's also nice when they, they can tell their friends, oh, um, I did this thing for feature upvote and uh, now they are able to perform XYZ and it's so cool. So Yeah, I like that. Maybe I should make it clearer that I'm happy for them to openly share about what work they did for us and what technologies they used or what achievements they did. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, Robert, I think it's time to wrap this up. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'd love to have you back sometime. Uh, where can people find you if they'd like to know more about you or your company? Our website is tooltester.net. So there you will find all the websites we run. And uh, I think 
the best way to contact me is via Twitter. I'm at Robert Brundle. That's B-R-A-N-D-L. And uh, there you can find me and tweet at me. Okay, we'll put both the tourtester.net site and your Twitter handle in the show notes. Very cool. Thanks for that. And listeners, if you'd like to chat or discuss more about hiring freelancers, please go to our forum at bootstrapped.fm and there you'll be able to chat with some people who really know what they're talking about in in this world. Okay, thanks again, Robert, and uh, have a nice day. You too. Thank you, Steve. Okay, bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Until next episode, goodbye.